Welcome to Ad Chatter, the podcast from adpulp.com, where we gather around the virtual water cooler and talk about ads and the ad business. Hello again, friends and colleagues. We're back for another episode of Ad Chatter. I am David Byrne, your co-host in Austin, Texas, and we have another co-host in Seattle, Washington. Dan Goldgeier, how are you? Doing fine. Happy birthday, sir. Well, thank you so much for that. <laughs> I appreciate that. You're We're welcome. <laughs> fun things later. Uh, I'm even looking at the possibility of live music at five o'clock. Wow. What is live music, may I ask? Well, it's outside and it's socially <laughs> distanced. <laughs> Um, we've done it once and it was positive and I believe it might be time to do it again. Um, cool. It's, you know, in Austin, people really, uh, are trying to do everything they can to bring the culture back. So, yeah. um, if you wear a mask and you sit at picnic tables, six feet apart, we can have live music. Yeah. So got to have it in the live music capital of the world. That is correct, and we've been missing it uh, really, really um, sorely, and I can't even imagine how difficult it's been for the musicians and the clubs. Mm -hmm. um, an impossible situation. Uh, but we are here to talk about brands and advertising and also how they fit into modern culture. So let's begin today, Dan, with with the problem in Georgia, where um, you were from, you went to UGA, mm -hmm. uh, you know the state well. And so it's interesting, Governor Kemp has got himself into uh, a serious bind with big business, Delta, Coca-Cola, Major League Baseball, and many more are reacting in a very swift uh, a decisive manner uh, to say that they are displeased with the governor, uh, the governor's efforts to deny voting rights to people, black people in particular. Um, so, what, what, what is why are brands acting so swiftly to make a statement on this right now? Well, you know, I don't know that they've been acting so swiftly. They knew this legislation was coming for weeks and weeks and weeks and didn't maybe had a role behind the scenes, depending on who you believe in crafting the legislation. But then only when it was passed and there was a huge uproar, did Delta and Coca-Cola come out and say, we oppose this. And of course, that got a reaction from the governor and, you know, somebody flashed a Pepsi at a press conference just to try to uh, uh, stick it in Coke's eye. And then major league baseball decided that they were going to pull the all-star game. So a lot of this is after the fact. And my question is, where were these brands a month ago? Where were they three months ago? You know, we all talk and, 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 but this is a, this is a double-edged sword because for all the folks who say brands ought to take a stand or that people want brands to reflect their values the reality is Coca-Cola and Delta are based in Atlanta and based in Georgia and have been for decades, which is a Republican controlled state. So there is a large percentage, I would bet, 
of people who work at Coca-Cola and who work at Delta who are just fine with this legislation. So if you're the CEO, you've got a, you've got a fine line to walk. You can't be out there uh, poking an eye in one party or the other. And so the brands aren't really taking a stand. They're They're not doing anything. What's that? There are also customers of Delta and Coca-Cola that are absolutely, absolutely. If you, you yep. um, Voting rights denial. Um, And so why bother to annoy them and potentially uh, create a a right-wing boycott or, uh, things like that. If you uh, agree that people who work at Coca-Cola and Delta and also their customers, some of whom are on board with this right wing, right wing movement, um, why get involved? Why wade in and not just stay out of it? Right. And, you know, that is I would say that that's one of the biggest issues we're facing right now when we talk about things like brand purpose and brands taking stands is that there's a there's a orthodoxy in the ad industry to think that we're going to take the right stand or the woke stand or the proper stand. And we don't necessarily know what that is. And, you know, Michael Jordan said it a long time ago, Republicans buy shoes. And there's a a large element of truth to that. Now, you know, that's not to say that I support this legislation. I really think that Washington state where we do all vote by mail is is the way to go. Um, You know, we look at Georgia and it, it all looks backwards, but these companies are in a tough spot. They are in a tough spot. They are in a no-win situation. And if they had any you know, gumption whatsoever, they would have come out on the second week of November and say, okay, there was no fraud. This election was fairly decided and let's move on. And they didn't. Um, so we have a background of diversity and inclusion. And what I'm driving at in this discussion is, are these brands virtue signaling that's the governor calling you to bitch i think so (laughs) Uh, are these are these brands doing nothing more than virtue signaling um because that is not a positive if that's all it is right i mean you know look sometimes yes you know there were so many brands last year that said vote go vote go vote your voice matters go to the polls, you know, here's a little incentive for doing it. And then once the election happened and there was uh, a huge amount of the population saying that this was a fraudulent election, the brands were silent Mm -hmm. for weeks Mm -hmm. and on through January 6th. So yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a large element of virtue signaling here. And the reality is Coca-Cola is not in a position to do anything about this legislation. Delta is not in a position to do anything about this legislation. Major League Baseball decided that they would be punitive, and we've seen those kind of actions before. We saw it in the uh, North Carolina in the Final Four. I think we saw it in, in um, Arizona over the Martin Luther King holiday. This is going back many years. But you know, if they had really wanted to make a stand, they should have done it before. Understood, but um, the culture marches on, change marches on. They're trying to be modern. It just seems that they're out of step and that this whole thing is a messy place to be doing business. Absolutely. Coca-Cola, I do, I might counter and say they do have the power uh, to do something. 
I'm sure they could get the governor on the phone if they wanted to. And, you know, what, what it comes down to, though, is money talks and bullshit walks, okay? Mm-hmm. Yep. So don't virtue signal. Make them pay. Um, if that's where you're at culturally with your brand, then, you know, now you and I know that Coca-Cola is not leaving Atlanta. But no. it's the kind of thing that you, there has to be a cost involved um, mm-hmm. otherwise political leaders are going to have no reason whatsoever to even pay attention right right there's no there's no bite to what they're doing um and i don't understand from a brand reputation side of this how you win when you um the idea of course is you win by saying we're on the side of diversity and, and inclusion and you know mm-hmm. you and i are clearly on that side Many people in the business are on that side, but many people really aren't. Um, this, you know, let me just flash back a few months to the to the Motel Six incident. So, this this thing, this problem, <laughs> is <laughs> continuing to run through our business because why? Because we market to the American public. Uh, the American public is not on one page. They're on dozens of pages. Um, so how do you have a, a mass appeal brand like Delta or baseball or Coke and do mass appeal when, when mass appeal really has been fractured by the internet? And then culturally, how do you do mass appeal? How do you, how do you, how do you sing Kumbaya uh, with Coca-Cola when, when it's not 1970 and no one really wants to, you know, uh, climb the hill together. People don't want to be even seen together or talk to one another, it seems like. Right. And we've seen in recent years, Coca-Cola has tried to get back on that hill with their open happiness and togetherness stunts and, and certain things and just trying to say that sugar water brings everybody together. But, you know, as you can see, it, when, when, the, when, when real issues come up, they have to straddle both sides of the fence and you know right now the eyes are going to turn to texas where you are right now and they're very similar legislation and very uh similar problems with some of the companies out there at&t and yeah. dell and a few other american Airlines, others. Yeah. already weighed in to say that you know he's doing what what delta and coca-cola are doing saying you know don't do this um, so there are these powerful billionaire business leaders who have the mic, have the ability to sway public opinion. But again, Dell isn't going to leave Austin or, no. or Round Rock. Um, so uh, what are the punitive measures that people like Michael Dell and others can enact? Um, and also, you know, would this have anything to do with California tech companies maybe slowing their takeover of Central Texas? Um, I would say no, no, I would no. say no, because look at who is moving here. Tesla and Oracle. They're not exactly left-wing companies. Right. Um, <laughs> and we can go on and on about this all day, but, yeah. but we're Georgia and Texas, interestingly enough, are, um, models of the new South, uh, and yet home to the old South. And so this cultural battle has been going on for what eight nine ten generations mm-hmm. more, yep. more mm-hmm. 12 generations and we're not anywhere near 
getting to uh, the better place that we need to get to. Um, it seems like we ought to be able to get there. And it seems like, you know, where do these racists come from? <laughs> they, I guess they keep multiplying, uh, which is really sad and unfortunate. Um, anyway, let's talk about advertising, uh, something we know a lot Commercials, of. Commercials, yes. <laughs> um, the cultural background is always there. The zeitgeist, we have to fit our commercials into this world. This is why we endeavor to speak this broadly. Um, but let's narrow in and let's talk about some commercials. Um, I'd like to open up here with this new Nissan commercial. Remember when driving was fun? Driving used to be an act of freedom, inspiration. Cars were our sanctuaries and co-conspirators. We had posters on our bedroom walls and toy tracks running down our stairs. But somewhere along the line, cars just got boring. You deserve a car that thrills you. A car that puts goosebumps on your goosebumps. Like hot yellow sports cars with three pedals. Pickup trucks that can take you places you never knew existed. Colorful crossovers. Electric cars that have driven billions of emission-free miles far out. And cars loaded with technology. You deserve a car that gives you something back when you hit the pedal. And there's a car company that believes that too. One that has been delivering thrills at every turn for over 80 years. This is the new Nissan. This is the new Nissan. Uh, it's interesting that this is really a category sell about how driving is fun. Yeah. You know, and really you could put any brand in there. I like the commercial, I like the energy, I like the, the cinematography. There's a lot to like. At the same time, I'm wondering why Nissan, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, you get into these pure brand plays, Dan, where you don't have any sort of factual basis for the campaign that you're looking for, some hook. Um, that you're looking for that ties it all together. Am I just missing it? I don't think you're. I don't think you're missing it. I, I I do think that calling it the new Nissan is a bit of a stretch because this reminded me. Go way back. Go way back to the late '90s, and there was a spot with um, a toy Barbie and a toy GI Joe, uh, sort of Barbie and GI Joe esque. And it was entirely an animated commercial where he picks her up in a 300 ZX and it was Van Halen's playing in the background. And, you know, the idea was that this was fun. It was real fun. So if it used to be that, that cars, car brands had very solid positions, you know, Volvo was a safe car, you know, Toyota was a reliable car, you know, Nissan wants to be the fun car. Okay. You know, Go for it. Um, it's funny that there are a couple of, there are a couple of cars in that spot. If you look closely enough, there's a 300 ZX. You know, some of the older models are in there. Uh, you know, I was it, Seattle is the land of of Japanese cars from the 80s that miraculously still run. And so I saw a Datsun 280ZX on the road the other day, and it was the car I wanted when I was 10. So I was a little jealous of that. Um, you know, there's not this all. This all. This all depends on what you do next. What you do with this. Where you go from here. We've seen all these 
brands, car brands, you know, reset themselves with a brand anthem spot like this. The question is, okay, where do you, where do you go from here? You know, where, where, how does the fun manifest itself in other ways? It, it's interesting timing wise too, because I've noted that traffic is really on the rise again. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, you know, here in Austin, it seems like pre COVID times, during uh, commute hours. And I don't know if that's true in Seattle. It's getting that way. Uh, so that is the kind of driving that is not fun in any shape, sort of, or means. Um, but, you know, it's it, we've been missing the road trip and this commercial, you know, harkens to that. I, I do like when mm-hmm. she talks about the yellow uh, sports car with three pedals uh, again, with a throwback to, you know, who can even drive a car with three pedals and, <laughs> and shift the car manually. Uh, so again, the new Nissan is the old Nissan. Um, and it's the fun car. I just, I guess what I'm, when I say, where's the hook is, you know, any car can be fun. So what, what's the proof point that this is the fun car? What makes Nissan more fun than Toyota? It's a valid, it's a valid question. You know, colors might make it fun or sunroof might make it fun. I, you know, that's uh, it. The fun is in the, is in the, uh, is in the driver's. Okay. Driver's eye, I guess. I love the Nissan shift campaign from several years ago. I thought that was really spot on and brilliant. Um, This, this doesn't quite rise to that level. Uh, so let's move on to Tide, Tide, uh, P&G brand, and we'll play the spot. Mr. T here. Mr. T. This is a cold call. Yeah, what y'all want? Will you turn to cold washing with Tide? With your jibber-jabber. Tide cleans better in cold than the bargain brand in hot. So Mr. T can wash his Hanes teas in cold. You can save up to 100 bucks on your energy bill. Mr. T will turn to cold, and so will this fool. I turn to cold. You know, technically, you're Mr. T. Technically, Steve. This was a cold call. This was cold call. There's a there's a lot going on in the spot. It's it's kind of amusing in in a sense. Um, but it, we talked about this, I think, a few months back with a different spot. We're talking at the core of it about behavior modification. Tide wants you now to use cold water when you wash, which is uh, something that a lot of people don't do. Maybe use warm water, whatever the label says on your clothes. And so this is: can we get a generation of consumers to change? their daily habits or their weekly habits. It's a, uh, it's, it's interesting. And, you know, there's stone cold, Steve Austin and ice tea making the cold call. So there's a little bit of a, you know, fun, uh, fun premise there. It, but at the, at the end of the day, it's about, okay, we really want behavior to change. Absolutely. And what I like a lot about this is it's a, it's a sustainability message an eco message, but it doesn't feel like it whatsoever. Yeah. Um, to me, that's the modern version of we don't have to look and feel like Greenpeace to sell this idea. We need to look and feel like Tide. Uh, 
That's a very valid point. That's a, that's a great point. You know, every brand has got to figure out sustainability for itself in a way that feels honest. This whole campaign is, is also, it's got some interesting characters. Uh, you know, when you have these, these big stars come in, it, it, it gets your attention when you're watching TV. Let's watch another one for a second. This is Annie. Annie Murphy. This is a cold call. We're calling to get you to turn to cold washing with Tide. Unsubscribe. Wait, wait, wait. This helps the environment. And saves you money. Oh, the environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the trees and the, and the, and the shrubs. How much money? $100 a year on your energy bill. It's like getting paid for doing nothing. I will take that money for the environment. This was a cold call. Unsubscribe. <laughs> <laughs> Annie Murphy's uh, a crack up. Um, so uh, I think it's a really great campaign. I think it's, it's entertaining. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Let's see where it goes. Yeah, yeah exactly. And let's see uh, if, in fact, people will uh, purchase the, the Tide product and wash in cold because you don't need hot water to get your clothes clean is what Tide is trying to tell us. Uh, lastly, Dan, let's look at a financial spot from KeyBank uh, where the buyer of a home is... Hearing voices, if you if you might, mm -hmm. uh, we'll play the spot. Okay, Julie's, I'll say it. This house is the one. I don't know. There's a lot of zeros on that price. But it's got a breakfast milk, just like we saw when we went to that fifth grade sleepover at Katie Firo's house. But it's too spendy. But we have years to pay for it. I thought the attic was pretty scary. Did anybody else see the attic? Throughout your entire life, you've been in your own head about money. We're here to help. KeyBank opens doors. It, it because you can't see this because we're on a podcast. There, there are uh, a bunch of people, four or five people, sitting around the table, uh, which are all different versions of Julie. So, um, I think in the beginning it says, "Hello, Julie's." <laughs> yeah. Um, her younger self, her twenty-something self, and then her you know modern-day self sifting through the real estate papers and assessing one of you know, the largest purchases that a person makes their home. Um, and, you know, in today's market, that would make you hear voices, wouldn't it? <laughs> it sure would. You know, a couple interesting things to note. This is, um, a <clears throat> excuse me, a, a diverse casting decision. Uh, you've got a, a black woman there and, um, you know, no family to speak of. So it kind of threw me for a loop when I first saw this because I was like, okay, she's surrounded by her kids. And it took me, I had to watch it again to realize, okay, this is earlier versions of her. Uh, and then we do see the, um, all of those other earlier versions of her are gone at, toward the end of the spot. Uh, it doesn't exactly point out how key bank or their bankers are going to be on your side or help you through this process. I assume that they will. Um, and I guess that's the point of the spot, but it's a very clever setup. And I would have loved to see maybe a 60 second version of this, where it delves into the history a little bit more and, and plays that concept up um, just to make the point even more uh, uh, exaggerated, or at least uh, uh, give it a little more depth. Yeah. And you, you know, you hinted at this a second ago, but she's not discussing the home purchase with her, her spouse. Um, right. 
husband or wife. She's not discussing it with anybody. And that's a tough place to be no matter who you are. Yes. Um, so, you know, this is, um, I, I think well conceived and well executed this, this commercial. Mm -hmm. And there is a campaign where, where, um, other players play out different scenarios, um, again, where they're speaking to their younger selves and letting their younger selves, uh, reflect on the older self. So there's some humor in here too, you know, for a bank, we, uh, I think banks are, are not the easiest, uh, clients to do great work nope. for. Um, so I hats off to KeyBank for doing some interesting work. Um, and that's what we have today, Dan, as far as the commercials and the cultural zeitgeist in Georgia and Texas and across this great land. Uh, so thank you everyone for listening again to Ad Chatter with David Byrne and Dad, Dan Goldgeier. Dan, last words to you. Well, again, happy birthday, David. And to everybody out there, if you have your thoughts about the Georgia-Texas situation or any of the uh, commercials that we saw, let us know. We'd love to hear your feedback. Engineered by Dan Goldgeier in Seattle, Washington.